Welcome to 45 Forward, the beginning of the rest of your life. Each week, host Ron Ruel and his guests discuss topics of interest to many listeners in their 40s and beyond, including retirement, caring for aging parents, health, lifestyle, and more. It's time to think ahead to the next half of your life, and we'll help you plan it with ease. Now, here is Ron Roel. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of 45 Forward, where our mission is to help you, our listeners, from Los Angeles to Long Island, age successfully, making your second half of life even better than the first. After earning her undergraduate and master's degrees in marketing, public relations, and advertising, Hillary Topper embarked on a traditional and highly successful corporate career, working for major PR agencies in New York City, in addition to two large nonprofit organizations as Director of Public Relations and Development. Then Hillary took an entrepreneurial leap. She went out on her own, founding HJMT Public Relations. She built a roster of prominent clients across the country. And along the way, she became an expert and widely recognized influencer in social media marketing, writing one of the earliest books on the subject, Everything You Wanted to Know About Social Media, But Were Afraid to Ask. In her late 40s, she decided to give herself a real run for the money, literally. She was never an athlete, but she decided to start running. And by age 53, she found that running was not enough. She became a triathlete. In today's episode, Hillary talks about the daily challenge of organizing and managing her multi-hyphenate life as an entrepreneur, author, podcaster, blogger, adjunct professor, and marathon or triathlete coach. It's been a journey of many achievements to be sure, but often a roller coaster, and she's been forced to make major adjustments in response to life-altering events like 9-11, the 2008 economic meltdown, and most recently, of course, the pandemic. Three years ago, Hillary reorganized her business. She's no longer managing a staff of 25 people, but continues to run a concierge PR firm. She's also a prolific writer, producing two blogs and a weekly podcast, and has written a second book, A Third is on the Way, while preparing for the next triathlon and coaching beginner triathletes. No longer as engaged in her former high adrenaline PR business, Hillary points out one unmistakable benefit. She's much happier now. So now for a lot more in her story, let's meet today's guest, Hillary Topper. Hillary, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Ron, for having me. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to have you here. So as as uh, I've, I've had a number of guests who were, you know, multi-hyphenates, but in keeping with your triathlon status, you are truly a super tri- super multi-hyphenate. You've done a lot of things. But let's go back to, you know, your pre-45 forward days and just, you know, how you got into PR and marketing and what really excited you about it. And, and uh, so, you know, what, what launched in your career? Well, it just, it all started when I was 18 years old. Wow. Okay. And I was in Long Beach High School and two of my friends uh, also in Long Beach High School, we had seen an article that Woody Allen was going to have a New Year's Eve party at the Harkness House in New York City. So we decided to uh, go to the Harkness House, scope out the place, and perhaps crash the party at some point. Hmm. We went, we told them that it was my parents' 25th anniversary, and we scoped out the whole thing. And we ended up um, walking in on December 31st, 1979. Wow. It was way back when. Right. We walked in as caterers. Uh, 
So we dressed up as caterers and we had our clothes <laughs> under tin foil on these big trays. And we walked in and as soon as the coast was clear, we ran to the basement, hid out for eight hours. And then when we heard the party start, we got all dressed up and we met and mingled with all these famous people of the day, like Carol King, uh, Carol King, um, uh, Liza Minnelli, Robin Williams, uh, Mick Jagger was there. I mean, of course, Woody Allen and Mia Farrow were there. Diane Keaton. I mean, you name it. Everybody was there. It was amazing. And there's the three Long Beach High School teenagers. So that night after the party, after, of course, I kissed Woody Allen because I loved oh. his movies. I loved his movies at the time. Right. And what did he, what did he think of you? You're being he looked there. at me like I was nuts. Like, who is this kid? <laughs> I'm like, he, thank you, Mr. Allen, for inviting us to your party. And he's like, who, who are these people? Right. He's like looking, like shaking his head. Anyway, we left our clothes in the basement. And as soon as we got back, my husband at the time, he was my boyfriend. He had an apartment in the city. He was going to NYU. He had just graduated from Long Beach High. And me and my other friend, we were still in high school. Anyway, so we would go back to his apartment and I start making phone calls. And of course, I called the New York Post because that's where we saw the article. And they sent a reporter right away and just scope out to see that we were telling the truth. And the next thing we know, we're on the cover of the New York Post. Teens crash Woody's bash in 19, January 1st, 1980. Wow. <laughs> so that was my first my first part of being in PR, like I thought, wow, this is so cool. So not only did I call the post, but then I called Newsday and then I called WLIR because that was my favorite radio station back then. Right. Right. And I called um, the Pat, you know, the not the patch, but the Herald and, you know, different you know, local papers. I didn't mm -hmm. really know who to call mm -hmm. anybody I could think of to call I was going to tell my story and I told the story and they all picked it up and we were actually on the radio as well so that was really exciting for us we were just like these 18 year old kids <laughs> just wow silly and but it was a very cool cool thing and that really launched me to think wow if I could do that for myself I could do that for other people I could get other people publicity I could help people I could you know I could do something good you know in this world that would you know help people so that's how I got into PR wow <laughs> that's a great origin story <laughs> wow and, and um so you started working there, you know, you, you went to, you got, you know, some formal education in, in the field as well. Um, and you spent a number of years, but it seems that you always, uh, you've always had a little bit of an entrepreneurial bug that you knew that you could really do this and you could, you know, even so, though, yeah, you, yeah, you got it's friends. something that I always wanted to do. It was something that when I was in college, I was thinking, I really want to start my own business and do PR and, I waited 10 years. I, I really, I, I worked at uh, the leading public relations firms in the industry, you know, Goldfield Mather, Hill Holiday, uh, Ruder Finn. I mean, these were the top agencies of the country at the time. And then I also worked in the nonprofit organizations and I love that. And I loved helping people.
people. And when I started my business, I only wanted to help nonprofit organizations, but that just didn't happen the way I wanted it to. No, but yeah. Yeah. But now, I mean, things have just changed dramatically over the years. Um, You know, I'm guessing that the, the, the biggest change has been the influence of social media on public relations and marketing. Right. I mean, um, I mean, it's so pervasive now, you don't even think about it, but, but how has it changed in it? So you, and you, you sort of, again, as an entrepreneur, you were out there looking around and you saw this pretty quickly. So in 2006, that was your first book, right? It was actually in 2009 that the book launched, Okay. but in 2006, I was already in social media. It was, it was the year that Facebook opened up from colleges to the general public. And a lot of the people that I hired were younger. And I started getting involved in it because they were involved in it. And then I started seeing, wow, there's something here. You know, as soon as I put myself on Facebook, Jamie, it was funny because Jamie Hertzleg, who was with Newsday, and she's still Mm -hmm. with Newsday at the time. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Adine again, who was with now with Long Island Business News. And I think she was with Newsday at that time as well. And also Marcel Fischler, who was with the New York Times. As soon as I put myself on Facebook, those three friended me. And I said, hmm, there's something here. There's mm-hmm. something here that's deeper and bigger than what we have, you know, going on. And that's when I started doing a lot of research. And at the time, it was 2008. um, The economy, as you know, we had mentioned earlier, was took a collapse. I mean, the stock, stock market wasn't doing well. And we lost a bunch of clients. And I had to let a bunch of people go at the time. And I was thinking, you know what, this is actually a good time to really focus on a new on a book. Mm-hmm. And I started getting all this research together of like obscure websites like Clerk and High Five and and Foursquare and all right. these like really you know obscure websites and including Facebook and Twitter and all that. And I wrote the book Everything You Ever Wanted to Know About Social Media. It was a compilation of every single social media site at the time. So, you know, it it talks about what they are and what the relevance is and how it could be used to help small businesses jumpstart their either their business or, you know, get a head start or really market themselves through social media. Right. And that's that's where that's where that went. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that uh, a lot of people today would, would not even remember that Facebook was originally not for everybody. You know, and that, you know, that's it's like, wow, that's <laughs> that takes you through some history uh, because now just everything seems so pervasive. And now they, they're they're the behemoth that's getting a lot of criticism. But um, how do you deal with, um, though, just all the complexities of social media and, and all the different perceptions and and people's. You know, because now now there's a lot of question about, you know, the veracity of information on social media and I guess in the Internet in general. But how do you sort of keep keep on straight and narrow in terms of using it, you know, as as intended, you know, to really help your clients? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing really is to continue to read and and research and figure out what's working, what's not working. If somebody has a case study 
you know, use it. I mean, the, this is why people do case studies so that you could emulate what they did and really, you know, take it to the next level. That's what we do. I mean, I, I'm constantly researching constantly. And I do this also because I teach at Hofstra. Mm -hmm. I've been teaching there for about seven years and every year I teach about social media. So I've got to really be on top of everything and see where things are heading. And, you know, is it really relevant or pertinent to someone's business? You know, there's always new sites that are appearing. Are they the right mix? Are they the right for the, you know, for someone's buyer persona? Um, my second book really takes it to that level where it's, we develop, you know, we ha I help small business owners develop a whole integrated marketing plan that encompasses social media, but we use their buyer persona and like develop some type of a picture so that we know how to market through social media. No, say bio persona. Tell me more about that. What, is, <laughs> what does that mean? Sure. So, for example, every business has a buyer, someone who is, um, who, you know, the, the listeners of your show is, are mm -hmm, your buyers, mm -hmm. you know, right. the, um, the buyers for me in my business is Bob and Betty. And I actually give them a name <laughs> and I tell this to my students. I want them to give that, that buyer a name. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's Bob and Betty and Bob is, you know, he's an older guy. He's in his sixties. He's got a, you know, a small business, his gross revenues are between four and, you know, $15 million, you know, and I start to draw a picture. He likes to play golf. He, you know, what does he like to do? What is, what's, what does he look like? What, what's his personality? And I draw this picture and then there's Betty, who's a marketing director of a big firm. And this is what she looks like. And this is what she likes to do. She's an avid reader. She's, you know, and I've got this whole list of what that person looks like. So in my mind, I have a visualization of my ideal client of my buyer person, you know, the buyer persona. And then at that point, I could take that, per I could use that buyer, you know, and if I'm using my HJMT and I'm trying to attract new clients, I'm going to market to that Bob and Betty. Now, how am I going to do that? I mean, blog, about things that are relevant to them that they'd be interested in. Now I know exactly what they look like. And I do that for all of my clients. So it's a very different, you know, professional perspective of how to use social media as opposed to just connecting with your friends, right? I mean, I think that that's, you know, if you're using Facebook for just, you know, social reasons, you know, that's that's one thing. But you're connecting at a different level. And, I, and how do you distinguish between... Um, I mean, you've got Facebook and then you've got, you know, LinkedIn. I mean, are the two major ones that I use and I guess there's Instagram and so forth. But, you know, how do you stay, how do you sort of differentiate the social media for purposes of your clients as well as, you know, what do you think is trending going ahead? I think it really depends on who your audience is. Again, you know, I think Instagram for me is a perfect market. Um, I've been using Instagram since its inception and it's really, uh, I think really one of the leading places to market your hmm. business. Um, so 
I am hired by different companies as well to be an influencer on, mm-hmm. on, on um, Instagram. For example, a wetsuit company just uh, reached out to me and said, you know, I'd like you, I'd like to give you a wetsuit. Would you be able to, you know, post it on social court, you know, mm-hmm. we worked out a deal and, and that's what I did. I said to him, the person, if I really love that wetsuit, I will absolutely promote it. You know, right. it's a small company and, and I did, I, I thought it was great. So, um, so I, did, I posted about it, right. but, you know, I think it depends really where your market is. I mean, I do have a different audience on LinkedIn and Facebook. Many of my clients are on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, you know, Twitter, even Twitter. I'm still using, you know, I've been mm-hmm. using that since 2008, I guess, 2007. And yeah, I mean, I think it just depends and I get different types of clients through different media. I mean, so for me, I get people through LinkedIn, I get people from Twitter, I get people from, uh, you know, Facebook, and I I get people from, from Instagram. So I really focus there. Right. Now, talk a bit more about what does it mean to be an influencer? So there are various people on specifically on Instagram who are considered influencers. There are, you know, influencers who have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of followers, you know, Mm -hmm. like a Kim Kardashian or somebody like that, you know, to a nano influencer who has maybe about a thousand followers. Mm -hmm. And the thing about these influencers is that you believe and you trust them. And that's the most important thing about social media. And it's always been important is to be authentic and to Mm -hmm. be really truthful, you know, when you talk and not to be salesy, because if you are, you're going to just be shut out. So basically, you know, it's just, it's just talking about a product or, or service that you really believe in. And so I've done that for quite a few different businesses um, you know, they hire me to help promote them. And if it's a business that I believe in, absolutely will promote mm-hmm. them. Right. You know, I did a little bit for um, Esther Fortunoff, uh, Fortunoff's uh, fine jewelry. And I did some video for her. She lent me some jewelry and I was really excited. It was all the summer jewelry and I did like all these videos of like jewelry of the day. I have this shoe of the day and I've been... Huh. I, that's been uh, an ongoing column, I guess, on shoes. <laughs> because I have a lot of shoes. I, I, I don't even ask me how many I, sh- okay. I have. I have no idea, it's, but I, I must have hundreds of shoes. Seriously, as, as many as Imelda Marcos, I guess. <laughs> In the pandemic, I was buying so many cowboy boots. I don't know why. I just had this thing about cowboy boots. I had to buy cowboy boots. So I found this, this talking about Texas, I found this amazing uh, cowboy boot company called Heritage Boots in Austin, when I was mm-hmm. down there a couple mm-hmm. of times, I went there for like South by Southwest and for the running show and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, so to make a long story short, I just bought all these boots and I've been promoting them on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And this isn't somebody that they pay. They didn't pay me to do it. I just I'm enjoying doing it. So I'm doing Mm -hmm. right. Right. 
Wow, that's great. <laughs> I'll have to find something that interests you to, to promote that. But yeah, but I think you're, the key that you mentioned is that it's authentic. You're not just pitching something. You're you're doing something that that you actually believe in. Yeah. So Absolutely. I think, yeah. Yeah. So. Um, so, uh, you know what, we're going to take a short break, Hillary. Um, uh, but, uh, folks, uh, there's much more to come with Hillary Topper, our, uh, PR marketing, social media, and as you will find out, um, a triathlete. So don't go away. There's much more to come. We'll be back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. A brave heart is anyone with the courage to be of service to others. If you have that courage, then Brave Hearts Radio with Brian Reinbold is for you. Even if you aren't yet, you'll want to still tune in to get inspired, create your own story to share, and change your life for the better. Listen to the stories of service and courage shared by amazing guests and your input, too. Listen for Brave Hearts Radio, Mondays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember, doing good anywhere does good everywhere. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Inglehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Rowell or his guest on the program, Please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, everyone, to 45 Forward. We're talking with uh, social media influencer Hillary Topper. Before the break, we were talking to Hillary about her shoe of the day influence um, on her, uh, I guess, in your podcast or what? On Instagram. On Instagram. Okay. On Instagram. Yeah. But uh, I was just, uh, during the break, I was talking to Hillary about the fact that I think that in terms of influence, I think this is a time of major influence uh, of women, you know, in more broadly in culture, you know, I can sort of see that even in appearances, you know, I, I look at men and you were mentioning to me that, that men made comments about when, when you stop doing the, the shoe of the day that um, they were like, getting email from men saying, where, where's the shoe, you know? And I think that, I think that women are having an influence, you know, these days or you're, you're much more part of, you know, business and social causes and so forth. And I know that, you know, men, I think are paying attention to their appearance much more, but I, how how do you look at, uh, you know, I don't want to call it gender politics, but gender influence these days. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're right. I think that there, that there is, um, people are looking like, as I said to you, you know, before with uh, the break about the shoe of the day is that I could not believe how many men were asking me for, for it to come back. Mm-hmm. And then I, I brought it back. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so shifting a little bit now to um, 
to your second book. Okay, from social media to uh, your second book is is branding the digital world, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you describe it as it's a do-it-yourself guide for business owners, job seekers, entrepreneurs, designed to help people develop their goals, strategies. Buy, here you go, buyer persona, and implementation strategy. So, um, and by the way, it's available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, and your website, the www.h jmt.com um so one of the things i noticed hillary is that everyone talks about you know the that small business being the engine of the economy and yet i don't think that we really support small businesses we, we do now there's been a lot during the pandemic about supporting main street businesses but but you know what is it that you find that small businesses really need most of in terms of their development and their growth you know, they really need to develop some type of a plan. And I th- I believe that every single business, no matter what, should have a plan, should have some type of implementation strategy integrated marketing strategy where they, you know, they have their objectives, they have their goals, they have their strategies. And then, you know, what are the tactics that they're going to use to to actually bring those buyers in to actually purchase products or services from them. And that's what the book's about. I mean, the book really is a detailed do-it-yourself workbook that anybody could use to really develop their organization. I mean, small businesses are suffering today. And as much as you know, there's grants and this and that, I mean, I don't know if they, you know, they have all these grants out there, but you know, I, I don't really see anybody getting the money. So I'm not really sure what's going on with these grants. But anyway, um, I think that you got to kind of bring it back and figure out how you're going to get the word out about your business, you know, and by using a book like this, it, you can actually map out exactly how you're going to, you know, use it and, and do the targets. And today it's a lot about video. It's much more, you know, in terms of social media, even Instagram is really changing toward more video-based. YouTube has always been very popular, Vimeo, you know, and that such. So, you know, so yeah, so it's important to get those videos up there and talk about your business and share it on social and, you know, just get out there as much as possible because right now we all need to do that. I mean, especially, you know, with the way things are and, you know, who knows if we're going to be what's going to happen in the future with right right yeah and it it seems to me especially now i mean my my audience is 45 forward and i think a lot of you know there there are a lot of new businesses that start when people are in their 40s and beyond you know the Mm -hmm. the 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 50 plus entrepreneur is 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 really taking hold i think people are living longer so they realize it that they you know they're not going to just retire they're going to do something else uh, but I think that, uh, you know, speaking also for myself, you know, when I left, uh, you know, in my 50s, my, my jo- longtime job as a writer, editor, newspaper man, um, uh, the, the main issue is, you know, as you say, not, not only the, defining what, what it is that your buyers are, are buying from you, uh, but how do you get the word out? That's what people really need to know. That how do people know about you? How do they, how do you market yourself? A lot of people have great products, but how do you let the world know? And um, 
you know, it's, uh, you know, you know, it's just a, a broad notion of, you know, of social connection and networking, but in, in, in basically almost in every way you can these days, it, there's so many platforms you've got to, uh, to, to explore. Um, it makes it so much easier for me. I, I was just so natural, naturally drawn into social media because I've always connected with people like from, you know, look, my first job was in the eighties and in the early eighties, I was working at a PR firm and, I actually kept in touch with all those people via, you know, via mail. I used to send them birthday cards or, you know, letters, and then it was email. And, and now it's social media. I still have, I have people on my Facebook page that I worked my very first job with. I mean, incredible, right? right. And this is how I keep in touch with them. And this is how we get to know and share and, you know, just, I want them to know that I'm still around. I, you know, love to work with them again, but you know, I'm there really to be their friend and to, you know, to be there for them. Right. Yeah. I think you provide value in terms of what you do, you know, the information you provide and sometimes it's being a, an influencer and looking at trends. Um, talk a bit about now you've, uh, so one of the things that you've shifted, and I mentioned it in the introduction, is in terms of your business model, um, you reached a stage where, for a number of reasons, you said, uh, I got to change. This is not working. So walk us through that transition. What happened and, and how sure. did you decide? So I guess it was um, a few years back. We, we had a really beautiful office in Melville. I mean, I had, you know, I had my name on the on the building and you know I had my own parking spot and people would say you know wow you really made it and at that time I was also asked by Google to be a Google Glass Explorer so I had a pair of these headset uh, virtual reality Mm -hmm. which connected to the internet so we decided that we'd put together um a show called Glasslandia and have six different episodes that kind of link together, almost like a virtual, like a, like a, you know, like a real life YouTube uh, Google Glass reality show. Anyway, so we did that and it was very, very popular. And I hired somebody to do the production of it and it ended up costing me a lot of money. And at some point, my CFO said to me, you know, we're running out of money over here. We got to do something. And I was like, "Uh oh, you know, so that was really scary for me because here, I mean, I started as a home-based business. I built myself up, you know, I had 25 people working for me. We worked, you know, we, we were in Millville. We had a beautiful office and now I had to make a drastic change. And I ended up renting space in Long Beach and moving the staff to Long Beach. And, Mm. you know, through the years, you know, people left and I didn't rehire. And then at some point, this woman who'd been with me, who, you know, she's my vice president, um, she'd been with me for about 15 years. She and I had a discussion about this and we said, you know what, let's really rethink the way we're doing business. And this was like right before the pandemic. Mm. 
you know what? We're not going to hire internal staff. We're going to work specifically with people that we know, people who we've done business with. So my graphic artist, I've been doing business with him for over 20 years right now. He's located in Vermont. Uh, He does all my websites and my graphics. And I have a writer who um, I've also known for about 20 years and he lives in Westchester and my vice president is out in Colorado in Boulder. Mm. So we're kind of, you know, so we're all working as a team, but it's like a virtual team. I still Mm -hmm. have an office and, you know, just for me, but we work together and it's, I love it. It's like the best decision I could have ever made, you know? So now we can actually work with people that we want to work with. We, mm-hmm. we only, we, we really like say no to more people than we do. Yes. You know, because we, I won't take on certain clients. I'll just take on clients that I feel really good about that. I want to help. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that's one of the lessons you learn is you go on in business. Um, a lot of times early on, you need to grow. So you take on clients that you, you know, would prefer not to, but you, you need to build your, your roster. But I think, you know, as you develop your business and make changes, you sort of realize that the, the secret to maintaining success is also not taking on clients who really don't fit and don't be don't, don't work well with, you know, and I mean, we've had, we had so many clients through the years that were just disrespectful to staff and they would cry and it was just terrible. And, you know, it's gotta be like a quality of life issue. I mean, if Mm -hmm. you're, if they're not respectful of us and our, of what we're trying to help them with, then, you know, they're not worth talking to. Yeah. Yeah. Life, life, uh, it supersedes business in that sense. You want, you know, it's important to respect as an as, a, as an element of you know basic, you know, good living. So I think that that's that's right. So um, uh, so in in addition though, so you you still do have you know, uh, um, as I refer to it as sort of a concierge business. You're still doing that, but you shifted now. Now you're more of a content curator. So tell me how that has changed your life. So I guess it was back in 2009. It was around the same time that I wrote my book, Everything You Ever Wanted to Know about Mm -hmm. social media. And I started two blogs and a podcast. Um, My blog, one of them was originally a runner's diary. Okay. And I was writing for a publication called Blog critics and I it was so popular my little feature that I said you know what why am I writing for these guys <laughs> let me just start my own blog you know it's just right. you know, they weren't paying me or anything it was just you know me being on their platform so I started as a runner's diary um, and I talked about everything from the time that I just decided to run and I didn't know what I was doing and I ran my first 5k and then my first 10k and then my half marathon and marathon and et cetera, et cetera. So what, 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 what got you started on that Hillary? Because I mean, you know, I just had so much dress and this was around the time Mm. of, um, you know, where we moved from Melville to Long Beach, I was undergoing tremendous amount of stress and I would 
take the wand to a parkway and I would watch the runners run along the parkway. And I used to think, wow, this looks so beautiful. I don't want to do this one day, you know? So, mm. so I, I really started out by joining a gym. That was my first step. You know, it was, it was a gym first and I had never been a gym member before I never did anything athletic ever. I mean, I used to cut gym. I <laughs> practically failed gym. I mean, this was not something that I was into. I wasn't an athlete ever. And so I started running. And then um, one day I had a, a running partner. And one day she said to me, you know, Hillary, I'm done with running. I don't want to do this anymore. We would just finished the um, Brooklyn half marathon mm -hmm. and she was hurting. I was hurting. And I said, all right, well, maybe we should do a triathlon. I didn't even know what a triathlon was. <laughs> I don't even know why I said that. And I had heard that there was a triathlon in Sanibel when I had gone there for this Google Glass exploration. Mm -hmm. I was invited with four other Google Glass explorers to go to Fort Myers, Sanibel and take pictures and video with the Google Glass. And it was a whole like media thing. And, you know, it was just a really exciting project to be involved in. And they did tremendous amount of business as a result of our efforts. So anyway, so I was, hmm, you know, I, I really want to, to do this. And um, so I started doing it. And at 53, I, again, I, I, you know, when I went to Sanibel, I'd heard about these, this triathlon there and the two of us signed up for it. And it was crazy because we had to hire a coach. I was like, why do we need a coach? What do we need a coach? Well, we, you know, we follow a plan on one. It's like, no, no, we need a care. You know, so okay. we both ended up with different coaches and, you know, we really had a very tight relationship because we were running partners. So we ran all the time together and, you know, but once we started triathlons, we kind of went our separate way. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you know, but we both loved it and she, she still is into it and I'm still into it. So. So what does it take to train for a triathlon though? It takes a lot of work. It's mm -hmm. a very long process of right. learning how to swim. First of all, I thought I knew how to swim. I knew how to doggy paddle, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so I had to learn how to swim and I had to put my face in the water for the first time. And, you know, I couldn't breathe that. So I got nose plugs and ear plugs and I'm all plugged up. Right. Um, but I learned how to swim. And then I had to learn how to shift gears on my bike. That was another huge thing. I mean, I grew up in Long Beach, uh, New York, which is flat, flat, flat. <laughs> There's right. a boardwalk. That's it. You go on the boardwalk, you ride your bicycle like five miles an hour, and that's riding a bicycle. Now you got to get, you know, a tri bike and learn how to ride, you know, 15, 16, 17, 20 miles an hour, you know? So it's a whole thing and learn how to run. Right, right. Wow. So I think the most encouraging thing for me is that, you know, that, that you did this at 53, you know, and I think that that's important for people to, to recognize that you can do these kinds of things, you know, at, at any age. One, uh, one of the things uh, I, I do a, a workshop a webinar called um, 
healthy living for your brain and body. And uh, really the key component really that they talk about in terms of, you know, keeping yourself healthy into uh, elder age is exercise. You know, if you, if you have one thing you can do, it's exercise. Uh, and, you know, the, uh, the thing is, uh, if you haven't done it, start now, keep doing it, you know. And I think that's the thing that, that you know, it's not like you can't start at any age. You can start and just keep, keep doing it and keep going. So, um, so listen, we're going to take another short break, um, but we're going to be talking more about your triathlon experiences and how that ties into the rest of your life when we come back. So, folks, don't go away. We'll be back with our last segment with Hillary Topper. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Do you want to hear a show about football? How about football moms? What if we told you that was just a start? Tune in for Double Down with Garrett and Mac. Audrey Garrett and Jeracy Mack are moms to some well-known NFL players. Sure, they'll talk football and raising their kids to achieve greatness, but they'll also talk about community and world issues, motherhood, news, and lifestyle topics. Listen in every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England. Along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week. And each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio. Live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, folks. We're talking today with Hillary Topper, the PR marketing social media influencer. Uh, but we're all talking about the last part of her multi-hyphenate, which is being a triathlete. Um, before the break, we were talking about some of her experiences, but she was also mentioning to me that that she does other kinds of endurance things. It's not always, you know, the the three-pronged uh, event, right? Yeah. Um, I just recently did a 5.5 plus plus mile swim. I swam from Fire Island to Bayshore across the Great South Bay. Right. And that was really an exciting experience. It took a lot of hard work. Um, I think I was swimming like 20,000 yards a week. I mean, it was ridiculous the amount of swimming I was doing in order to prepare for this but I loved it so much that I've actually been talking to a friend who's who also did the event and we're we're planning on doing another marathon swim next year so that was really exciting right so it it takes a lot of training How, how much time do you spend training then oh it could be usually I I train between um an hour at a minimum to four 
five hours sometimes in a day. And I'll do that on a weekend. You know, what, what I'll do is if I have like a five hour bike or something, I like this past weekend, I had a five hour bike and, you know, sometimes I have a run off the bike. So it's a little bit more, but I'll start really early. I'll start at like four 30 and it's still dark, but I have mm-hmm. lights on my bike and I'll just go and go out there and, and then the sun will come up and it's magnificent. I get a gorgeous sunrise. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. But you know, as I'm listening to you, I think, well, you've got to be really organized to do this. So how, how do you balance your life between you your, definitely your training and your blogging and your writing and your, you know, basically your client work? So mm-hmm. it's a lot of organization. It's getting up really early in the morning, getting in those workouts, you know, before work. Um, I'll get in my workouts and, you know, start the day at nine o'clock or 10 o'clock and, you know, be ready and, you know, and then it's just juggling, you know, I know that once a month, I, I book all of my, um, my podcasts, I do that in advance, I do my, my blogs in advance. So, you know, it just all works out. And then client stuff comes up. And that's something that you just have to fit in, because that's the most important piece of it. Hmm. Now, how, how do you uh, fit in your writing? Because I, you know, as a writer, I, I know you have to find some solitary time to do it. Um, and you've got to think of topics. And how, how do you do so you let me just take a quick um, uh, you know, uh, time now to mention uh, how people can find your blog. So first of all, if you go on uh, my website, the roelresources.com website and click the 45 forward tab, uh, you can see much more information about Hillary there. And then uh, on her uh, episode description there, you can also find links to her her blog. So she's got a New York lifestyle blog. It's nylifestyleblog.com. And her triathlete's diary is a triathletesdiary.com. Uh, and you can also find her pod- a link to her podcast there, which is just www.hillary1lhillarytopperonair.com. Um, so how, how do you come up with your topics? How do you, you know, what sort of things are you looking to do and provide in your blogs? Well, it's always something different, you know, from, um, you know, the lifestyle is just, you know, going to a restaurant or, um, doing it, having an experience like Shakespeare in the park and what it felt like to be at an event after COVID, you know? Um, so it's just relevant, you know, anything that's relevant that's happening now, I like to write about Um, in terms of the a triathletes diary blog, I write everything swim, bike and run. And I do product, you know, I talk about products. I talk about experiences and, and such. And that's how my third book came to fruition because one of the publicists that's been pitching me on uh, books uh, that I review on my triathletes diary blog I he's they came up to me and they asked me if I would be interested in turning some of those experiences into a book Mm so I was really excited about it and that's what I've done uh so I've taken the last 10 years when I just started running for the first time to this year when I 
swam my 5.5 mile uh, cross base swim and even like training for a half Ironman, which I was supposed to do in October, but I blew out my knees, so I can't do it. Okay. But that's okay because I, you know, I have a lot more in me and I plan on doing it next year. Um, But the book just takes that journey, you know, and takes you through it. And it's really written for someone who just sits on the couch all day, because that's what I used to do. You know, I come home from work, I would hang out on the couch I'd have a glass of wine. And that was it. I was done for the evening. But now I can't do that. I, I got to go to bed early. I get up early. I do my thing. I go to work and, you know, start all over again. And I love it. I absolutely love it. Mm, wow. Um, so, you know, just taking some of the lessons of your life. Now, you mentioned before that you also teach. Um, so I think that, you know, in teaching, you know, some people start it as, as a profession, but I think a lot of people pick it up along the way, as you have. But I think it, it is sort of a way to think about, you know, what do you want to leave behind as a legacy? So you, so now you teach, you know, students at, at the university level. Now, what do you want to leave behind for them? What do you want them to know about you and what you've done and, and what you think? Well, I don't know so much about me, but I want to be able to empower them to feel like they could do whatever they set their mind to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I come from, uh, you know, my parents were both working class. My father worked three jobs. Neither one of them were entrepreneurial. They were civil servants, union people. And, you know, to break out of that and to go into, you know, being an entrepreneur was a huge thing for me. And I want them to know that they could do that too, that whatever they want to do, whatever their passion is, that they could do it. And what's awesome about teaching, what I love the most is once they leave my class, I have them through social media. So I keep Mm. in touch with all of my students from, from seven years ago. And that's, that's great. You know, it really is. It's awesome. And it's exciting to see what they've done and where they're going. And a lot of times we do this whole project in the class where we start a business And a lot of times they actually continue with the business Mm. and that's really exciting. So, Mm. yeah. So for me, the legacy would be more that they are empowered, that they could do whatever they want to do, that nobody's going to hold you back. I mean, people along my path have told me I could not do it. I could not do this. I could not do that. I was always told I was not going to do something. And that just motivated me to go forward and to prove them wrong. (laughs) that's always a good motivator. You can't do it. Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. You want to see? (laughs) Right. Watch me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So just thinking back about, you know, how, how was, uh, would you say that um, being a student today is different from when, you know, you were a student and I guess Mm -hmm. along with my being a student, you know, years ago, um, is it, is it much different? Do you think it's uh, going to college is a different experience these days? Or You know, I don't know, because I really didn't get the real college experience. I mean, I went to Hunter College for my undergraduate, but I worked full time and I went oh. to school at night. So I, it wasn't like a college experience for me. And then when I went to Baruch for my master's degree, again, I worked full time and went to for my master's on the weekends. So 
I never really had that experience. I'm not really sure, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, for me, it was like, my parents were like, you know what, if you want to go to college, you got to pay for it yourself. We're not helping you at all. And so I had to work full time. So it, you know, so it's very different and it's hard to say. Yeah. But it's a meaningful experience when you do that. I mean, that's, uh, both of those schools are part of the city university of New York, which I worked, uh, you know, after my Newsday career, did quite a bit of work for them. So I know that it's a, it's a very, you know, it, these are great schools, uh, but I think like you, a lot of the students are, you know, it's a, it's a public, affordable public, you know, education and people work uh, while they go to school. So kudos to you for doing that. I think that, I think today that, uh, you know, uh, well, I, I remember when I was in graduate school, I didn't, I took loans for undergraduate school, but I remember that, you know, I worked through graduate school and it was, uh, it was a, uh, I don't know, it was a much more meaningful experience when you're working at the same time, you know, why you're there, you, you're not, you know, just, I mean, it, it's, it's certainly enjoyable to learn in, in any capacity, but when you're also putting yourself and paying for it, it just makes it a little bit more meaningful. <laughs> Agree. So, right. So um, anyway, uh, I would just say that um, it, this, it's been a real pleasure talking with you today. Um, I wish we had more time, uh, but I think that uh, we're going to have to leave it there today. I just want to give you a little bit of time to um, uh, tell my uh, my listeners if they missed uh, my conversation with you today, uh, they can listen to it as a podcast on voiceamerica.com. Uh, just search for my show, 45 Forward, and you can find it on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, or go to my website, as I mentioned earlier, roelresources.com, and click on the 45 Forward tab, and you can find out um, uh, much more from Hillary there. Um, so um, uh, for uh, for our listeners, Hillary, if, uh, if they want to get in touch with you, if have things to say or questions, how do, what's the best way to reach you? Sure, they could either... Uh, reach me on Facebook. I'm at Hillary hyphen topper or Instagram at Hillary topper. Or if they want to reach me on Twitter, I'm Hillary 25. Otherwise hjmt.com. Uh, that's probably a great way to reach me. And that's the name of my business. And thank you so much for having me. Well, it's my pleasure. I'll have to have you back. We'll we'll have to catch up on your triathlete exploits and any kind of twists and turns in your own business. Um, So, folks, um, be sure to join me next Monday, 12 noon Pacific, uh, 3 p.m. Eastern time, when I'll be talking with Leah Frankel, uh, who is a retirement journey advocate. She'll be talking about her unique roadmapping guide for pre-retirees and retirees. It's a straightforward, stress-free process to achieve retirement fulfillment. Um, and, uh, you could also hear me if you're in my area and locally, you can hear me and Leah, uh, we're, we're going to be talking at the over 50 fair on Sunday, September 26th in Westbury, Long Island. Uh, so, um, if you're local, you can hear me there, or you can hear us, um, on the, on the internet radio the next day as well. So folks, until then, uh, keep moving forward, 45 forward. Thank you for tuning in to 45 Forward. Please join your host, Ron Roel, for another great show next Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We wish you a great week.